Division One Rejects is back. We took a little bit of a break. Kobe Manzo, I'm here with Jimmy Martin today, quarterback NMU, my boy Tyshawn, running back, Northern Michigan, the three fellas here. How we doing? Doing good, man. Feel good to be back. Big week one W for the fellas. Opener at McKendry. Um, obviously, Ty, you've been in this situation before, though. We won that one and then didn't have much success after that. So week two, we got we to gotta keep it rolling, right? We got to keep yeah, it going. It'd be 2-0 first time in a long time. Exactly, exactly. But 2015, I think. Coach JT was saying really this week. Yeah, we haven't, we haven't been two and We've been two and zero since his junior year, I think, or something like that. That is wild. We're gonna make that happen though this weekend. We got Wisconsin Oshkosh coming up to the Superior Dome. But otherwise, a lot to talk about NFL, college football, Division One rejects is back today. We're talking about the Bucks win in the first game of the NFL season, Thursday night football, dramatic fashion in a game where I don't think the Cowboys should have been in it as close as they were, but the Bucks. Made it interesting, and especially when the whole world is watching, it feels like the whole NFL world that is at least. Um, that was an awesome game to watch, really entertaining. Otherwise, the Ravens had the practice of nightmares for their coaching staff and their players. We'll talk about that a little bit. But to lead things off, we'll talk about some GLIAC standings and recaps from the week one of games, including our game against McKendree. Just touch on those. Florida State quarterback Mackenzie Milton, he came back to play for the first time in almost three years against Notre Dame after a gruesome like an Alex Smith type injury, like yeah, that was nice leg was going to be amputated type infections, all of that. So talk about him, Clemson, Georgia. That was a very interesting and lackluster, I guess, game. If unless you're a the defensive guy, fest, yeah, man. it was a slugfest. Yeah. That was like some Big Ten football, not some SEC yeah. or ACC SEC football. But finally, BYU announces they are joining the Big Twelve and possibly could be joined by three other additions of the conference. So. Obviously, with Texas and Oklahoma moving to the SEC, as they've announced, that's going to be some pretty big news. But as always, you can listen pretty much anywhere. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it. Follow us on Twitter, D1 underscore Rejects, and on Instagram at Division One Rejects to see highlights from the show. All right, boys. Gliak. Obviously, I don't want to be that guy, but I feel like you have to start with Ferris. I feel like that just has to be the, the start of the conversation, and they didn't miss a beat. Week one, coming off of last year, um, obviously, they've been dominant, and they've been ahead of the GLIAC for a little bit now. Um, Grand Valley had kind of been there, but they've really been moved out of that top dog seat. They finished, what, fourth in, uh, in 2019 in no, the GLIAC? I think they was third. I believe they were fourth behind Ashland because yeah, it was almost, Ferris State, Wayne, Ashland, then Grand Valley because Ashland beat them on that Hail Mary. I was going to say, if they had the same record, then it is fourth. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, imagine that. Grand Valley, who has the best winning percentage in, in college football, I believe. Right, and they they can't even be in the top three in their own conference. So this has to be a bounce back uh, year for Grand Valley. But Ferris won big against Finley, who's one of the best teams in the GMAC. Is that uh, great Midwest athletic conference? Mm-hmm. A lot of, so, yeah. yeah, a lot of Ohio teams, some Michigan teams in there now. Uh, Fifty four to fourteen behind their new quarterback, Jared Bernhardt. Last year he wins the Tuarton Trophy. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that correct. That's the award for the best lacrosse player in the country. He was playing at Maryland, which is one of the best programs in the country. You see his stats? Dude. I think Field, Field Yates tweeted about it or something Field like that. Field Yates yeah. did tweet about that, it. Yeah. yeah. So, shout out Field Yates. I was actually just talking to him the other day. He's my dude. But 218 yards, three touchdowns, 120 yards on the ground for four more touchdowns. So, combined seven touchdowns. And I saw it, by the way, you were honorable mention for Offensive Player of the Week, Ty. I saw yeah, that. That was I dope. Thought, I thought I had it until I saw that. Until you saw that stat line. <laughs> That's a t- tough one to beat. Tyler, that, so I don't sorry know, about that. Man, I don't know if there's anything you, more you could do about that. But uh, Ferris is currently at number two in the top 25 DC rankings behind West Florida, who they lost to in the national championship. That would have been, was that two or three years ago? Two years two ago. Years. Two years yeah. ago, yeah. So top dogs there, which is pretty cool. Um, 
Did you guys, I mean, what did you see from that game? Anything, were you surprised at all or just another year of Ferris? Nah, Ferris is Ferris. They play discipline. Yeah, they, they got, do. They got great talent, good coaching. Ferris is going to be Ferris. You know yeah. what I'm it's like, almost like Alabama. You know what to expect out of them. That's a good point. Yeah, like D2 version. That's kind of how it seems right now. Yeah. We're looking forward to that game, though, I'd assume. Yeah. October sure. 30th. Is that what it is? Yeah. There you go. I'm not good with the dates like that. I can't rifle them off like that. But uh, Wayne State loses a close one. Number four ranked Slippery Rock, 21-24. That was impressive. Because Wayne State had a great team uh 2019 that year. But I believe they graduated like all three senior running backs. They had a lot of people on defense that um, are not coming back who had graduated or just decided not to come back after the COVID year. So to see them be in a game like that, uh, Slippery Rock had the Harlem Hill Award winner, I believe, uh, last year, I want to say. So that that school is like churning out talent, which is pretty cool. Michigan Tech, though, well, they won. They won against Hillsdale 14-10, to but they did not score until the fourth quarter of the game. Yeah, I saw that. That was interesting. I'm going to say that nicely. That was interesting because Michigan Tech is supposed to be like a, especially at home, Hillsdale traveled up to Michigan Tech on their new turf, like first game, season open, home open, all that stuff, and just not much from the Michigan Tech offense. Is uh, What's his name? Is Ark still the quarterback there? Will Ark? I believe so. I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah. I believe he's got I, another year. Yeah, the mustache. Yeah. Him and, him and RJ are pretty good buddies. They work. Same high yeah. school. Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting. But, um, I was really surprised by that because Hillsdale was like very middle of the road GMAC team. Kind of didn't really show much in the last couple of years. They actually were in the GLIAC probably four years ago, I want to say, before they left for the GMAC because they smaller private school, kind of a similar situation to Northwood. Mm-hmm. Northwood's obviously leaving after this year. So they're a very similar situation, smaller private school that quite honestly can't really compete in the GLIAC, like if we're going to be honest. And speaking of Northwood, they lost in overtime to another GMAC team, Gannon. Mm-hmm. I was kind of that was kind of an embarrassing loss for me because Northwood. I mean, I feel like that this is a season like a prove it season, very much like us. Northwood had the same record as us, one and nine in twenty nineteen, yeah. and to come out and drop that first game, especially in dramatic like overtime fashion, Hard that's got to suck. Like that's got to suck for those guys. And I know a bunch of the, the guys on that team. They played they played a decent game, but if you can't if you can't finish it, that's you know it's just hard to stomach. So I'm not sure. Do you have any idea who they have this week? I'm not hundred percent sure. No, I don't. I don't know. We've got them in a couple of weeks. They uh, we got to go week, down there. Week four, though. I think. Yep, we got to yeah. go down there. So that'll be interesting. Otherwise, Saginaw Valley beats Texas A&M Kingsville. Never heard of them, but uh, must have been a decent squad because it was thirteen to nine. So they beat them in the home opener. And Grand Valley State actually had their game canceled week one because of COVID. Yeah. So we have not seen what Grand Valley State is about yet. Uh, like I said, we won Northern Michigan at McKendry twenty-seven twenty. That game scared me, man. That scared me a little bit. But I think we saw a lot of really good moments of like what we could, what we could have, right? We saw a lot of flashes of what our offense, especially um, defense, was a lot more consistent. I felt like they had some good plays. That last touchdown, that diving catch from that receiver, McKendry. No, uh, really incomplete. You think so? I know so. <laughs> incomplete. It looked like a great play when we were yeah. watching it. Yeah, yeah, it looked like an awesome play. Like good ball, Bells good catch. It was good coverage too. I mean, he just made oh, a yeah. nice play. Yeah. Yeah. Who was on him? Do you know? Tavion. Was it Tavion? Bells off the turf. Damn. But he didn't catch um, it. But Kendry definitely they had some athletes, but I, I just wasn't really impressed overall. I mean, by those guys. I thought that score should have been. I mean, we yeah, agree. we should have won by two plus scores. Yeah, I mean, we laid agreed. an egg. Agreed. We, we left. We left some points on the board. We should have scored fifty. Definitely. So big time this week. We get some starters back. Uh, Jake Witt, obviously coming back. The, our big tight end who has not played a snap of college football. I mean, he's six seven two fifty, and this is going to be his first snap of college football this weekend, which is going to be 
really exciting, at least for all of us who have seen him and know what he can do. Yeah. Uh, Eddie Pearson comes back on the D-line. Who else do we have that's coming off of uh, injuries? Let me say a couple guys like, I don't know, is Yale going to be back? I know, I know Caleb Wright's, uh, he's not going to be back this week, but he's been, uh, he's been working out and stuff with us. Yeah, so, so hopefully, yeah, hopefully he'll be back soon. D-line transfer from NIU that we got this year. Great guy. Hopefully he'll see the field here in the next couple of weeks. But, um, you know, it's kind of just a day-by-day thing for him. Otherwise, I mean, I like where we sit right now. I feel like we got a lot of, uh, offensively especially, a lot of potential. Our defense has yeah. been pretty consistent. Um, our rushing attack, man, we had, what, four sacks, five sacks on the last Saturday? Something like that. Yeah, we getting have. back, uh, getting back. John McMullen was yeah. huge. Yeah, he he was, was obviously he hasn't been around the last year or two. Was he around in twenty nineteen? Yeah, he, he was around. He was. He played. He got hurt. He got oh, hurt. He got hurt in the Tech game. Yeah. Okay, I mean, it was a nasty play. It was brutal. Really? Yeah. yeah. So just glad to have him back. He was not around last year. Um, had some academic issues. He was figuring out. But glad to see he is back. Number five coming off the edge for Northern. He is a beast, man. Monster. He Monster is awesome. man. That's so a bad man. He is, That's a bro. bad man. He is. So now you got him, you get Eddie on the other side, and now we can start to get some other guys rotating in those spots, keep those guys fresh, which is super important. Um, our GLIAC competition doesn't start until next week. Like I said, tomorrow, Saturday, we have Wisconsin Oshkosh, but let's jump into a little bit of NFL. Thursday Night Football. What do we think of that game? Uh, like I, I told you guys in the beginning, I didn't think Cowboys even deserved to be in it that close. Was it just the DAC effect, or was it the turnovers? What was it? I think those, there was a ton of costly turnovers. Obviously, like the one, the one main one. Yes. Obviously, was the Chris Godwin fumble. That was like huge, crazy play. And then another one that was kind of like underlooked was uh, earlier in the game uh, on that screen pass. Leonard Fournette like went in and out of his hands, and the Cowboys picked it. Like I think the Bucks go down and score on that drive, and that game is like they put that game away. You just spirals, yeah. Oh yeah, and that's then, a good point. Yeah. Yeah, the Cowboys come back, take the lead, and then obviously the Bucks end up coming through with Tom Brady, the forty-four yeah, year old. Yeah, I think he's like, I don't think time like he doesn't measure time. It's I mean, insane. He's, just, he's forty-four years old. Like, like eventually, it's going to catch up to him. Yeah. I just don't know when it's going to be, yeah. which is a scary thought. Yeah. But like you said, two interceptions, two lost fumbles to the Cowboys defense. Uh, but it, it just Dak. I mean, four hundred yards, three touchdowns. Did have an interception, but when you throw the ball fifty-eight times, yeah. You're, yeah. I think that's going to happen. He shouldn't have had a pick. CeeDee Lamb should have caught that. CeeDee Lamb had a rough start to that game, too. He went right he had, through his hands. He had some big catches uh, late and kind of during the course of that game, but the first three or four targets to him were all incompletions. A couple of them were drops. Yeah. So that was kind of not great to see because he's going to be one of their number one guys between him and Cooper. Um, but like I was Mario telling Cooper you, too, yeah, yeah, hell of a game. But Gallup too, I was telling Tyshawn, yeah. Gallup had a hell of a game too. Someone that I had personally forgotten about a little bit. Yeah. He showed out big. Um, they Bucks obviously get that late field goal following the last minute drive by Tom Brady. Tom Brady and Gronk get their hundredth touchdown together. Yeah, it's incredible. That's got to be is that number one in duo? I th- like the the, the yeah, two I of them. I think already. it's number one. I think they got number one last year. I think they did. I think you're right because I remember seeing a stat um, on that. But what happened to Mike McCarthy? I talked about head coach for the Cowboys. I talked about phasing Dak back in, like you know, not like trying to overwork and what. You throw the ball 58 times, and he's out there scrambling for his life for yeah. first downs. Yeah, it was uh, – as good as Tampa Bay played, Dallas should have won that game. You think so? They never established a run. Yeah. Yeah, like that – that... Like, the first drive where they were running the ball, Zeke looked good. Mm-hmm. And then after that, Nothing. it was just pass, pass. He had five touches in the first half. You can't so, do that to yeah. a running back that you paying like a quarterback. That's a great point. So and he I, finishes 11 carries, 33 yards. Uh, you're not going to win a lot of games when you like, give Ezekiel the ball 11 times. You're, no. just, you're not going to win a lot of games doing that. And like you said, you got to give a guy like that, a guy that you trust and a guy that's Volume. been around, you got to give him rhythm, right? You got to let him get established. And even if the first run, the second run, the third run, right, might not hit, 
as soon as he gets going in that, a lot of backs like that, if they keep continue to get the ball, that's just the trust they have. So mm-hmm. I felt like they knew what they were going to get out of Dak Prescott. At least they hoped they knew what they were going to get. So they just kept they kept going right to Dak. And they got, I mean, they got, like I said, 400 yards and three touchdowns. You can't really argue with them throwing the ball a lot. But I, I agree. You got to give you got to give him some more touches and establish that ground game. Almost sixty passes. I don't know though, because I've been watching Hard Knocks and he ain't been practicing. It in. Mm-hmm. Go out there and throw sixty passes. I know. I know he's sore today. Oh, he has to be because it's just like I don't know though. Yeah, he was not. He was not one hundred percent. He was not one hundred percent. You can see practice. it early. You can see yeah. it. You can see it early in the game. He was letting sh- throws were short. He wasn't really putting it out there because mm-hmm. that he really a gunslinger. Coming in, they thought he was just a running quarterback, and he has turned into a gunslinger. Yeah, hundred percent. That that part of his game, I wouldn't say it's gone because he can still move pretty well for a guy. Yeah. He's a larger guy too. I mean, yeah. he's a pretty he's big, big stature. Yeah. yeah. So that part of his game is still there, but it definitely has diminished. It's almost become the like second hand to his like, his gunslinging ability, his pocket passing. He still moves around quite a bit, like I said, for a big guy. But that ability to just sit and throw has been everything for him. So that's been very big. Well, let's talk about the Ravens a little bit. That news yesterday, because obviously J.K. Dobbins, excuse me, tore his ACL August 28th. Mm -hmm. That was going to be their starter, correct, I believe, uh, out of Ohio State. So he's out for the year. Then you have now, practice the other day, Gus Edwards, you get the news that he has a serious knee injury. I don't know if there has... Both ACLs, I believe. So had they confirmed that they are ACLs? Because I I saw that it was worried that it was an ACL. Uh, Confirm. Him and Marcus Peters tore an ACL. There you go. I don't know about Marcus Peters. Yeah, cornerback Marcus Peters. Holy cow. The very next play in practice. mm -hmm. Holy cow. So you have two of your starters that go down, like cornerstones of that team, what you're trying to build, like that Ravens identity. So you have both those guys go down. Head coach John Arbaugh said, we're done. End practice. They don't even. They didn't even stay out there for that. Which can you even blame? Like that's got to no, be. Yeah. I'd shut practice down too. Imagine like trying to get the rest of the guys to go out there. You just saw two of the guys just go down, and like now you're out there just practicing. Like I, I don't. Because Gus Edwards, be such a, oh, Gus sucks. Edwards and J.K. JK Dobbins, they were both starters, mm-hmm. and then they backup their true backup. He tore his Achilles, Justice Hill. Yeah, exactly. That just happened. Um, I believe September second. So was they, the date on that. They are down three running backs. First round pick tore his groin, had to get surgery. He should be back at some point. But, yeah, you know, still, but still, that's a that's a injury bug injury. is like hitting him hard right before the season. That's insane, man. It's and brutal. They had to bring in Le'Veon Bell. A lot of people, Devontae forget. Freeman. They had to. They, they got to make some. some bets. They got to make some stuff happen. Yeah, but, so Le'Veon Bell is signed to the practice squad right now. I would assume it's only a matter of time before he's activated to the active roster or he's raised whatever the the word is there. Yeah. Um. But now look about you know think about uh Mark Ingram getting cut. And at the time, it seemed like such an obvious move. You have Gus Edwards, you have J.K. Dobbins, you got you're bringing in more young talent, and you're just going to be this stable of backs. And Mark Ingram had kind of been phased out in the last couple of years, anyways. Big trusts, all that, you know what I mean? But now it's like, you know, call up Marky Mark. What's going on, man? He didn't get picked up by anyone, did he? Oh, no, he's, he's in Houston. Houston, yeah. He's, he's in Houston. Yeah, I didn't Houston. know that. I feel like a lot of people forget that. Like maybe I'm Bell was arguably the best running back in the NFL for like two or three years, not yeah. not too long ago. Yeah, and uh. You know he had to, he had his issues with like the contract holding out and everything, but maybe on Bell might still be Levy on Bell. You got you got to get him out there and see. You know he has he's got yeah, a good pass catching abilities. I mean, obviously, it's really disappointing to not to lose J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards, but Levy on Bell is Levy on Bell, man. You that's, never know. That's a good that's a good point because his game was never athleticism based. Mm-hmm. He he was more mental. You know, making guys miss like patience in the hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah vision. I, that's that's a good point. He I might, will say I am concerned because be we saw Levy on with the Chiefs a little bit. Right, and mm-hmm. he had some some decent showings. Nothing really noteworthy to talk about. Um, but 
Le'Veon Bell's style and the Ravens' style, I think, strike me as two very different styles of running. Right? We think of Le'Veon Bell when he had that dominant offensive line in Pittsburgh that he trusted them enough to just allow them to let their blocks develop and was very patient runner. That's how he's known to then, you know, slow to the hole, fast through. Right? So, like, very slow and then deliberate in that decision-making process. But as soon as he went, he turned it on, right, and got going. Now, with the Ravens, I felt like their rushing attack was much more, you know, get it and go immediately. It wasn't, it's not so much of in the past, the last couple of years with Lamar Jackson and everything. I don't think there's a lot of patience in that offense. And but, I think that's the way they like to run it. Maybe they have to adapt. I'm not sure. No, I think one thing, though, they, two different schemes, though, you know? Yeah. Because if, if Pittsburgh wanted him to just get it and go, and they had schemed it up that way. 100%. And I feel like they had, I feel like Baltimore would be able to find it. Because if Baltimore can do anything, they can run the ball. Mm-hmm. So I feel like they'd be able you to find it. You think it'll work? Yeah. yeah. Assuming that he actually does get some meaningful snaps, which it looks like he probably will. He is going to be the number one back. You think so? There's no way he's not going to be the number one. How old is he right now? Do we know? Probably 30, 31. Somewhere, yeah, around, somewhere around there. Might even be a little older Let than me that. fact check that, actually. Yeah, go for it. Um, but yeah, right now, I mean, that for the Ravens, that is quite possibly the worst thing you could have happen to your team right now. I mean, we've dealt with the injury bug uh, quite a bit. I mean, I'm going through, I guess I didn't, I probably should have said this earlier, but um, I'll have a lot of time to do the podcast this year. I tore ACL and my lateral meniscus, so I'm two weeks out of surgery and going through that. So I can uh, definitely relate to these guys, Gus Edwards, Marcus Peters, JK, all these guys what they're going through. Thankfully, they have some really smart people. Not that I don't, but thankfully, they have some really qualified people taking care of those injuries, so they'll be back and better than ever, but... Maybe I'm about was 29 years old. 29? He got, he's still got yeah, some. Yeah, he got, he he feel, he got some like, he's got some gas in the tank. That is wild. I mean, is that still, like, relatively old yeah, for a running 30 back? 30 is usually, like, the age where a running back starts to decline a little bit. but uh, Or, like, gone. Like, running backs yeah. take a beating. Um, but that is very interesting. I would have guessed older than 29 for sure. Uh, on the college football side of things, Mackenzie Milton. Talk about injuries here. Mackenzie Milton's coming back from one, though. 34 months after a traumatic injury that almost required his right leg to be amputated, like I was talking about, he forces overtime against Notre Dame after coming in in the fourth quarter. So uh, their starting quarterback, I forget the name, was it Jordan Turner or something along those lines? Jordan Travis. Jordan Travis. Okay, so he was in the game playing playing pretty decent. I mean, had a decent game because they were in the game with Notre Dame throughout it. But he gets hit, helmet gets popped off, got to come out for a play. They don't really have a choice. they got to put this guy in. I'm sure they were very hesitant about that, too, after his recovery and everything like that. He goes in there, throws a dot on the first, one of the first plays that he's in and drives the down the play. field. It was the first play. Drives down the field. They score. Force overtime against Notre Dame. End up losing that game, unfortunately. But to see his parents, the reaction. And um, he goes out to the parking lot afterwards. And I think there were 70-plus like close family and friends. His surgeon was there. Like, all these people. And I, uh, that just had to be That's so... beautiful, man. That had to be so emotional out there. I mean, I love... Like, moments like that are just really cool. So, I love to see that. As far as his injury goes, I did a little bit of research. He suffered artery and nerve damage along with a dislocated knee and torn ligaments. So... Along the course of his rehab, he was also at risk twice of serious infection multiple times, which his surgeon questioned whether or not he could actually return to football. He said he'd never seen anyone return from this type of injury. They didn't know if he'd even walk again. Exactly. That's uh, it's like an it's a straight Alex Smith. That's exactly what I think a lot of people think of when they see it. Yeah, and then he's like, "Yeah, hold my beer. Watch this." Uh, <laughs> uh. That's so cool, though. Like that is actually that's so awesome. So yeah, that's something you root for. Going forward, I'm assuming he's not going to be the starter, but. Now they know at least like this dude can play. He's a viable option. We can put him in, but you never know. I mean, I feel I like don't he, know though. Exactly, he kind of Travis out, was man. sporadic. He was he was real mm-hmm. sporadic in the game, and he was making a lot of 
I, I feel like he was trying to make the big play too much. He wasn't taking what Notre Dame was giving him. Really? And I feel like Milton coming in there, he went in and he did what he was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. He went in, made the easy throws. He hit the open guys. He wasn't trying to force money balls. And I, don't, I don't know. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't rule him out starting. Yeah, Saturday. I'd agree with that. Now that I, I know they like coaching came out and said nothing about it yet. Uh huh. So as far as announcing a quarterback, yeah, now, Travis may have won the yeah. job in camp, but ball games two different things than practice. Travis was nine for nineteen with one hundred thirty yards, two touchdowns, and three interceptions. But he also Holy he shit. also ran a touchdown. So yeah, he's got some. He can move a little bit with his legs. But three interceptions. Uh, yeah, I did three not interceptions. Know that. That's that's recipe for disaster. You're not going to win many football games throwing three picks. No. But, uh, no one five for seven, 48 yards, you know, nothing, nothing flashy. Like I mean, yeah, side, but he's just drive, taking, taking yeah. what the defense gives him, you know, yeah. a drive. But yeah, I mean, this, this week had to be a very interesting week um, for them going into practice. Now actually having some like legitimate competition. Now the coaches, like I said, know that he is a very viable option to put in the game and to start. And I could not imagine that there are guys in that team that wouldn't play for a dude like that. or wouldn't have the back of a dude like that who has uh, battled through all that adversity, adversity, excuse me. But he came from. UCF? Yes, yeah. I believe yeah. it was UCF. So he they're was a there. Powerhouse. He was yeah, there yeah. for I believe like national four or five years. Yeah, they were thirteen. Was he the starter when they went thirteen and zero? Yeah, when they won a national championship. Was he? Yeah, I did not know that national national championship. championship. Yeah, yeah, with the air, yeah. quotes. Air, air quotes around that one. I was yeah. gonna say I, I thought because he was there for I believe five years before this is his last year yeah. coming out of Florida State. So very interesting uh, turn of events for that guy. Yeah. Obviously, best of luck to him. I want to see him uh, play some more and playing some more big games, but. To start off a lot, some some big college football here. Georgia upsets Clemson. They were was it the fourth no, number second, five? Oh, wait. was it five or two? Oh no, or four. And I was gonna two? say they're number five versus number three. Five versus three. Yeah. Was it? No, I thought the Clemson was two. Who was above Clemson? Ohio State. Ohio State. Ah, uh, okay, okay, five and three. And then Alabama was. Um. Yeah. So ten to three, Georgia wins. No offensive touchdowns in the entire game. Yeah. That was wild. Uh, DJ Uyunglele went nineteen for thirty-seven. 178 yards in an interception. And that was the only touchdown of the game was the interception was a pick six. Seven sacks. Seven yeah. sacks. That was about to be the number that I just – that I was about to say. That's Georgia has wild. the best defense in the country. It yeah, kind of seems incredible. like it. It kind of seems like it after that. Seven sacks. You held Clemson to three points. Because mm-hmm. it wasn't like Clemson just couldn't move the ball. You know? No. I feel like they found, they found out earlier that they could not run the ball on Georgia. And then – it just as soon as you thought, all right, this is this is a draw that they're gonna score. Georgia just tightened up. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know. And yeah, what what gets overlooked? Clemson got a good defense too to hold Georgia yeah, to like 10, 10 points. points. Oh yeah, oh yeah. They've had so. a great defense for years, but that's been Georgia's identity for a long time has been that tough, hard, like run stopping defense. But they made it happen in all all facets of the game, which was really sweet. Uh, they held DJ to a fifty one percent completion percentage, so their coverage obviously, yeah. um, which. Does your coverage have to be that good when your defensive linemen are in the backfield every play? Yeah, Not really. Pass rush is the best coverage. Pass rush is the best coverage. You're very right about that. When he's worried about, and like DJ is a huge guy too. Like he can take a hit. But when you're getting hit almost every play and you're sacked seven times. A little snake bit. Yeah. I think you're you're a little bit more worried about that than who's getting covered by who. So Clemson, you talked about they did not run the ball very well. Guess how many rushing yards they had on the night? 20. Two. Two. Two rushing yards. Wow. So yeah. a lot of that is because um, the sacks. DJ, yeah, DJ finished with negative 22 yards because yeah, yeah. of the sacks. So that, that would sense. have to be. But, yeah, the official final number for Clemson was two rushing yards. 
which is terrifying. Georgia, yeah, that's horrendous. Georgia finished with 121, which is decent. You know, nothing, nothing outstanding, but within in a game that the offense just was not clicking really for either team. 121 yards. They're moving the ball. They're controlling the clock. Their time of possession was a, a good bit, a little bit higher than than Clemson's, but overall a pretty a pretty split game. Georgia jumps to. I believe they're number two in the AP rankings. Yeah, they're number so, two. So yeah, in AP rankings. So that that's pretty crazy to me. But it was a weird week uh, one of college football. It was. It was a really weird weekend. Number how 10. how good was it to see college game day back though? Was, I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, and, uh, it was an interesting game day though because they were at Alcorn State. Yeah. And I was, I don't know. I thought that was a little. It was a little odd because it was Alcorn State and for like where Steve McNair played, and there was a lot of. Um, but it was all about the HBCU, which was pretty yeah, sweet. They yeah. did. They had a lot of uh, content about that, which I could appreciate. And I thought it was pretty bold of them to do that on the first week, too. Because there's a lot of games they could have went to. They could have right? went to Georgia, Clemson, Iowa, Iowa say, Indiana, Georgia, uh-huh. Clemson, yeah. Iowa, Indiana yeah. Alabama, Miami. There were a ton of options, too. For, so for them to, to put all those games to the side and say, no, we want to make this an emphasis and show the people that were actually serious about this, I, I really appreciated it. I thought it was pretty cool because, like you said, they could have been a lot of other places. Correction. Oklahoma was ranked ahead of Clemson. Oklahoma was number two. They were? Okay. Yeah, Ohio State was four. Oh, uh, okay. Ohio State quarterback had a solid showing. Uh, what's his I name? I don't know. It was shaky. He, he, showed, he showed some pretty good stuff, I thought. For a 19-year-old kid? It was shaky. Really? Why you say I mean, that? I, I, how, how shaky is almost 300 yards? Before I was going to say. I was going to say. He looked pretty good. Now, Minnesota's a pretty solid team, too. They were mm-hmm. unranked, but, I mean, you can't. They, they, he went into a road environment, and it was, was his first career college start. Yeah. yeah. I believe he's a redshirt I mean, freshman. I'll Crystal take 300 Lave. yards and four touchdowns anytime, Any anywhere. <laughs> man, yeah. Chris Olave. Yeah. It was him. It was all him. I will say the receivers did inflate those stats. Yeah, Four Garrett Wilson as well. 117 yeah. yards. When you get a catch, touchdowns. when you throw a, a quick like five yard route and he goes for forty, that makes yeah, you look yeah. that makes you look pretty yeah. good. I will I will definitely say that because they had some inflation. They've got some sense, talented yeah. guys on that roster, but also um, how about all this hype about the Quinn and Ewers? Right? Am I saying that right? Yeah. So for him coming in, everyone was talking about he was going to start right away. He was well, seventeen years old. I know, but guess what? This other kid they have. Pretty damn good too. Yeah. So I know ne- I never thought that he was gonna start right away. Not the way that people the way that people were talking so about him in high school, man. Yeah, yeah. That's ridiculous. The way that people were talking about him, it was like he was gonna come in and just light up the league. He came in too late to start at Ohio State. Oh, 100 yeah. percent agreed. Like there's no way. Like maybe, you said, he's only 17 years I mean, old. Maybe, not, I mean, maybe win the job next spring, but I mean, yeah. I, I, don't, I mean, being that he technically is still a high schooler, I mean, yeah. he, I don't know if he's an early into a game. I mean. I'm not trying to like talk bad about this guy. He's yeah. he's, a, he's legit. I don't he's, know if you're literally he's allowed to. Yeah. He's gonna be a superstar. Yeah. yeah, I just I don't know if I'm putting a 17 year old in the game right so now. So big endorsements for him, I believe too. Oh actually. yeah, big time, big time. Like how? That's yeah. so wild. Just because his name is so big. Yeah. Um, we've seen some pretty big endorsements, um, from a lot of players. DJ from Clemson. He's got Dr Pepper. Um, there's a lot of different marketing. Uh, people are signing off with different marketing agencies for their autographs. Mm-hmm. Like hundreds of thousands of dollars just for exclusive autograph deals that go three or four years, like their whole college career. Yeah. Which is pretty sweet. Um, you had, is it, I forget his first name, but is it Jaquincy Kool Aid? What is it? From Alabama. He got that deal with Kool Aid and they had like the little Twitter thing that went on. Yeah. We've seen a lot of really cool yeah. NIL deals that have gone through. Um, Zach Wilson, who now obviously is in the pros, but he's gotten some major deals. And I'm trying to think, who was the quarterback? Oh, Bryce Young. Bryce Young. Yeah, he's got some. He had time deals. some monster deals. Over before he even played a game. Yeah. Almost a million dollars in deals before he played a game. Over 800K, they confirmed. So, I just. Yeah, he bought that's out, That's so too. wild to me. That is so wild. He did. We didn't he impressed t- me. We didn't talk about that. CJ Stroud. Oh, 100%. 
A hundred percent. You're playing for Bam when you put up those numbers. So he broke the record, I believe. Was it for most yards in a, in the first start? Three hundred forty-four. Yeah. Was it most yards or most touchdowns? There's both. I mean, I don't know. Probably been, both. Yeah. yeah. Four touchdowns. Yeah. So we they showed. I mean, they showed like all the quarterbacks before him, like Mac, Jalen, Tua, all them, like all their first starts. He blew them out of the water. Which yeah. again, it's one game. You know, we'll, we'll figure it out. Who who are they playing again? Miami. Miami. Yeah. Thirteen. Yeah. Derek King, I th- I thought going into that game because Derek King is a fifth year right at Miami. Sixth fourth year, he was at Houston before too for a while, wasn't he? Was his sixth year in college? Yeah. I did not know that. He's twenty four years old. He's been there for a minute. He is as old as Lamar Jackson, and he is he's a baller, dude. Yeah, he's good. And so you're talking about going, you got a kid that you know obviously isn't talented quarterback, but it's his first college start going up against a guy who's been playing there forever. I thought that game was going to be really close. Alabama just blew the brakes off them nah, eventually. Miami didn't stand a chance. No, they did not. So, uh, to finish off your college football-wise, BYU officially announced, literally like an hour ago, as we're recording this on Friday at like noon, BYU is officially joining the Big 12. There's been a decent amount of speculation that they were going to finally break their independence. Um, but officially, via Twitter and Instagram, they have announced their football program is joining the Big 12. And most of their other athletics are too. I think only equestrian rowing and maybe wrestling or something are staying in that Pacific. It's like West Pacific mm-hmm. conference or something along those lines. So yeah. most of their sports are moving to the big 12, which is, it's pretty sweet. What do we think about that? I feel like it's, is a lot of schools. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like the PAC 12, not going to be a conference for much longer. Really? Yeah. I just think it's a domino effect. Cause like I said earlier off the air, Clemson and Florida State have reached out to join the SEC. SEC. Yeah, and, and everybody like, worried about the Super Conference. It's going to be a domino effect, and they're going to do what they can to try to – because the Big 12 – it wasn't the Big 12, the Big 10, and the Pac-12 announced an alliance. Some, Yeah, I don't know. I was reading about that a little bit too. They I don't know the I details like on it. they're going to try to make their own Super Conference just because that's the only SEC way you'll be able to keep yeah. up with the SEC. It's crazy. So what I think now what we're going to see before we get too much more into the, the Big 12 thing, I think now what we're going to see is some of these conferences, say ACC and Clemson, you might get a lot of catering towards one of these schools, right? Because you just cannot afford a school like that to leave your conference mm-hmm. right now, right? So I know a lot of the reason, I'll tie this back into the Division Two scene a little bit with the GLIAC. You have schools like Grand Valley State and Ferris State who were staples, who still are staples, but have been staples of the GLIAC for so long. Mm-hmm. Then you have much smaller schools that were in the GLIAC, like Hillsdale, like uh, more notably like a Malone down mm-hmm. in Ohio or a Finley down in Ohio. And these schools were very upset with the GLIAC, and that's part of the reason why they left. Also because of the location and different other things too. But part mm-hmm. of the reason why they left is that the GLIAC really caters to a Grand Valley and a Ferris with, yeah. a, with a lot of things and making yeah. like, especially when it comes to schedule making, who has to travel where and like what type of strength of schedule and all of that stuff. So a lot of the Ohio schools in the GLIAC were very frustrated with that and they had to leave. So mm-hmm. I think we might see some catering from some of these Power 5 conferences to keep their big dogs in their conference. I think Clemson's but a great example like of that. Power 5 is, is too big. It's too big to really cater. It's only so much you can cater to because I saw something – like the top ten teams who play ranked opponents, Clemson doesn't play another ranked opponent as of today mm-hmm. for the rest of the season. Yeah, and like that'd Unless be something, something that keep them out of the playoffs. You know, if everybody else play ranked opponents, Georgia could lose the game. They're gonna get that over Clemson because they beat. Yep, head to head. And if Ohio State going undefeated, and Alabama going undefeated, you know they're gonna play better strength of schedule than a Clemson. So you know, and that's something and say that Georgia say Georgia, their only loss is to Alabama in the SEC championship. 
Dennis, you Alabama, can't hold them out. Yeah. Ohio State, Georgia, and maybe like an Oklahoma. Oklahoma. If yeah. Oklahoma wins their, uh, if they go undefeated and win the Big Twelve, Big Twelve, unless they go out there like they did against Tulane, then they don't. Uh, How about a two-loss Georgia? So let's say Georgia loses to like, I don't know, like Florida, and yeah. then they lose to Alabama in the SEC championship, and Clemson wins the wins ACC out. championship and has that one loss to Georgia. What do you do with versus the two-loss Georgia versus one-loss Clemson? That's, that's why really I'm tough. not in the committee. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the decisions they have but to make. You're right, if, though, because if, that's really tough. If yeah, I you think about the head-to-head or, like, total record. You assuming know, that just, nothing changes and Clemson yeah. doesn't play another ranked opponent. Yeah. Then that's that's the thing because it's like. That's why we need an 18. Who does, who does Georgia play? And how did Georgia lose? Mm-hmm. They lose closer to they lose big. Is that a bad loss to Florida? Say it's two, does, say two close losses. Does Florida go 8-4 yeah. and four, or do they go 11-2? and two? Damn. Damn. Does Alabama? So how many how many teams do you do you make this playoff though? Because I, I I just don't think four is enough. You think eight? Got to go to eight. Some people make the argument for ten with a buy for the for the top two seeds. Nah, I don't I don't think you need ten because I just feel like if certain teams with the top twenty five is crazy. I feel like only six of the teams, only the top six, you are, are real deal. Yeah, you know have it. Eight just because of the wow factor, you mm-hmm. know, and somebody, somebody can you get a dark horse. Day, I think, you know? I think the the factor of having a dark horse is just fun, and I think it's what makes college sports so. That's what March Madness. When you have so many teams in there, yeah. you're guaranteed to get an upset. That's the nature of the tournament and things like that, which is so cool. And if we could get just a little element of that in football, say you get a team like a UCF or a Cincinnati who previously have been like a Group of Five team to get in there. What if they win a game, man? That'd be awesome. Like that'd be sweet to see. Because, like, right now, if the playoff started today, it'll be 2 versus 7, Georgia versus Cincinnati. Georgia wins that game by 40, 50. in my opinion. You know? Agreed. Yeah. It'll be, who? who's the 8? I don't think the 8th ranked team played this week. It'll be Alabama versus, it doesn't matter who they play. <laughs> Notre Dame. It'll be Alabama, Alabama versus Notre Dame. Smoke Notre Dame. Alabama yeah. wins by 40. Notre Dame. Alabama, Alabama, or Notre Dame is a great football team. Yeah, but, but it doesn't matter. Like when Alabama played Notre Dame and Notre Dame was ranked fourth, nobody gave Notre Dame a shot. Yeah, nobody ever gives the fourth versus the one seed. So I feel like it has to expand to eight because teams, some teams deserve to be in a playoff. Yeah, you know. But I do agree with you. There's only really one or two real snubs every year. You know, right? Like Cincinnati, like, like was it just a year ago when they were five? Mm-hmm. Like they had a real, they had a real chance. But again. If you put them up against an Alabama, they don't stand a chance. You know, and they're that's not. You're not going to be in that game. As good of as a, of a team that they were, and they played some really good games. Um, but let's talk about Cincinnati a little bit more. They are one of the three other teams that are supposedly joining the Big Twelve here. So Cincinnati, UCF, and Houston was the last one. I was a little bit surprised by that, but it makes sense. Um, they are also expected to be formally added to the Big Twelve. Now it was reported on Wednesday that Cincinnati and UCF had both applied for the Big Twelve. And that mm-hmm. Houston's president had received permission from the board to pursue membership in the league. So we could see even more announcements today. Like, if, as soon as we get recording here, I guarantee I check my phone and we're going to have more official because announcements. Because that's, that go back to like what I was talking about as far as like being in the, the conference you win matters. If Cincinnati won the Big 12 last year, there's no way they're not in the playoff. Yeah. You that's know? a great point. Yeah. The conference championship is a big deal. And the committee, they say, they literally came out with a quote that said, like, we don't look at this any, di- but like if you win your conference, that has so much more of a stake than a regular season game. So that's the same reason why Alabama can lose the SEC championship and to make it in over an undefeated conference champion. Mm-hmm. It yeah. like that matters. So they have to join the Big Twelve. And then it's crazy because your two most 
notable, you know, programs are leaving in a couple years. Yep. But that's why I say like they're going. It's going to be in the next ten years. It's going to be two conferences. Really? The SEC. That's, that's the take. Yeah. And whatever is left from the Pac-12, Big Ten, <laughs> and Big Twelve. And then you gonna have your uh, you gonna have your I don't like that conference USA. You might be right. You might be right. Yeah, Americans. but I don't. I just don't like the sound of that, man. But, but it, that's what it, that's what yeah. it's gonna turn into. Like teams that want to compete, they're gonna have like UCF is going to join the Big Twelve. Yeah. So when Tyson talks about the two biggest programs leaving, he's talking about Texas and Oklahoma. So their contracts expire after the 2025 season for the Big 12. Now the teams that I just mentioned, the BYU, Cincinnati, UCF, Houston, they will reportedly join the league as it stands right now in the 2023-24 season. So that gives them two years of that would be 14 teams in the mm-hmm. league because they go, but the, everyone in the Big 12 voted unanimously to go back to 12 teams. Mm-hmm. This, this would be the first time. I mean, they'd be at 12 after Texas, Texas and Oklahoma leave. Excuse me, but. Um, this would be the first time they had 12 teams since they lost teams like uh, Nebraska, Missouri. I forget who else. Texas A&M. Texas A&M was one of them too. Yep. So they voted unanimously to go back to the 12 teams as opposed to, what do they have now? Is it 10? I forget. I how believe many. it's 10. Is it? I believe it's 10 as well. Yeah, I think, I think they got 10 in the Big 12 or the Big 10 got 12. <laughs> Big 10's got 14. <laughs> they might have yeah. more actually yeah, now because of, with the addition of yeah. Maryland and Rutgers. So none of the teams like the Pac-12, they got more than 12 teams, like nothing. Yeah, they don't, they don't even they don't mean anything up. anymore. Yeah. It's just a name at this point. Yeah. So yeah. at least the Big 12 is trying to stay true to that. They're going to go back to 12 teams, which is a good sign. But um, otherwise, I'm, I'm really excited for that, man. I think BYU, BYU has been an interesting program. They've been so hit or miss. They've been obviously like electric the last year with with and number Zach two overall Wilson. pick, yeah, Zach Wilson. Exactly. They lose to Coastal Carolina, I, I believe. That, that game was fantastic. That, yeah. But yes, they did. So I don't, like that's another team. Like you always every year you have a team you don't see coming, mm-hmm. and they're not going to get the respect they deserve nope. because of who they play, and because you lose one critical game. Yeah, to Coastal Carolina, yeah. who was a good football team, a great football team. But and if Coastal neither Carolina of those teams was standing chance BYU in the playoff, were both in the Big Twelve, one of them would have made the playoff. You think so, man? Yeah, too. But here's the question. Now, if Coastal Carolina is playing Oklahoma and Texas, do they still go undefeated? I think there's no chance. That's a good point, like, too. I, I think yeah, I think, if they're in the, I think if Coastal Carolina's in the Big 12, they're like 75, 8, and 4. And then, like, like, it's still a good team, yeah. but like, I don't know if they're beating teams like Oklahoma and Texas. And then you think, too, when Coastal Carolina goes to their, champion, or their uh, conference championship, and they lost, I believe, to Appalachian State, wasn't it? Yeah, Appalachian State was solid last year too. I believe they're oh, they also had, they had a great team yeah. too. That that Sun Belt Conference had three teams that were ranked: Coastal, yeah. Appalachian State, and uh, Louisiana yeah. in that conference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, yeah they, those three uh, teams were solid. Out of that, uh, that is it the what is it Sun something Sun Conference? Sun Belt? Maybe. Is it the Sun Belt? Uh, it might be the Sun Belt. I believe. I, I don't think know. so. I mean, you may have to fact check me on that. I'll but yeah, I mean, go for it. But those to have three teams nationally ranked out of the conference that's a non-power five was super impressive. But. The thing Again, with that though, for Coastal, you can't you can't win those games. You can't win a big time game like that BYU game and then go drop an egg in the conference championship. From now on, yeah, UCF yeah. will be ranked forever. Cincinnati <laughs> will be ranked forever. It depends on BYU because, like you say, BYU is hit or miss. Very hit or miss. But teams yeah. like that, they have to leave their conferences and go join a bigger conference, to or get they'll the never respect. they'll never get the respect that yeah. they that they feel they deserve and that people around the country feel they deserve mm-hmm. because. It's like I say, man. It matters. It the conference matters. Who you play and who you beat matters. It does. And if sure. you beating up on, you know what I'm saying, Houston, mm-hmm. BYU beat Houston, and 
if Houston was in the Big 12, that would have been a much bigger win for BYU yeah. than what it really was. Oh, yeah. And they smoked Houston. Houston didn't even stand a chance. You know? Yeah. That, that, kind, of, that kind of stuff matters. And should it matter? Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe. Sometimes it should matter. Sometimes it shouldn't. But Yeah, but you just, it's where do you draw that line? Exactly. It's yeah. weird. All I know is we got to go. We got to go earn our respect tomorrow. Wisconsin Oshkosh. Is it a 1 p.m. kickoff? Yeah. 1 p.m. kickoff for NMU. Pack the dome if you're up here. It should be an exciting one. The boys are feeling great, I think. We've had a solid week of practice. Yeah. Trying to keep the fellas healthy, but I am really excited about it. Um, fellas, thank you for joining me. Little thank impromptu. You. Thank you for thank having you, us. Thank you, Kobe. We'll definitely we'll get some more going here, get a little more official setup. Yeah. But um, we'll start we'll start the video version of the podcast eventually as well. Once I'm actually a little bit more mobile, I'm still on crutches here for a couple weeks. But um, appreciate you guys. Good to be back. Great to be back.